Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome to our wonderful listeners. Today's podcast guest is Tani Stowe. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm very curious to learn a little bit more about you. Uh, I was checking out your profile on Instagram. Uh, we happen to be part of the wonderful mompreneur group. And so um, I'm just really interested to dive in and learn a little bit more about you. Thank you. So my first question, and, and I, I'm, we're going to start here, and then, I, then we'll kind of go backwards from, from this question, but um, I want to talk about Tour of the Soul Guide. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe you could tell us sort of where that term came from, what is it? You know, I, I'm, I'm just really curious. Absolutely. That's a, an awesome place to start. Uh, it's probably something I'm one of the most passionate parts of what I call myself um, because I have done a lot of traveling. So uh, what happened was um, I found myself uh, having worked in some big corporate companies like the Yellow Pages and TELUS. Um, I had been a flight attendant, a travel agent, and then joined a small company in Toronto and was working in sales and now, I had everything that you could possibly want, especially as far as money is concerned and being 24. But there was this big void that I was feeling. I was still feeling as if um, I was missing something. And I just bought a non-refundable ticket. And I went to New Zealand. And I started backpacking. And I failed miserably, lost a whole bunch of money, and had to come home about seven months later. But it inspired in me this confidence that there was, A, a whole world I didn't know about. And B, that anything was possible if you put your mind to it. So I came home, I went back to work, and then I bought another non-refundable ticket and went to Australia. Only this time I managed to stay for um, two years and then went backpacking through Southeast Asia and then actually became a tour guide and began taking other people for trips uh, all throughout Europe. And so where this tour of the soul guide comes from is that for me going traveling was this big discovery of who I was and who I wasn't. And what I really discovered about myself is that I'm constantly curious. I love growth and that if you're willing to question, you're, you're able to do anything. It's, it's this ability to question that just constantly opens out doors. So I had been dabbling in and out of the energetic healing realm since about 2001. I got my Reiki level one and I never was able to stay in that healing profession because I wasn't done exploring who I was. I didn't feel like I had anything I could offer people. So the more I traveled, the more I realized I still had nothing to offer people except this incredible ability to question. And so that's where Tour of the Soul Guide comes in. After taking um, hot stone massage therapy, um, finishing my Reiki master level, working with crystals, um, medical intuition, I realized that, uh, and life coaching. But what I realized was that it's not me doing the work. 
it's always the person in front of me who's doing the work and my job is just to illuminate possibility. So tour of the soul guide for me is basically what a lot of people call kind of a life coach. It's an accountability partner, just like if you were going to go take that trip to Cambodia and you've never been and you're relying on this person to put possibility in front of you, the, re the experience is ultimately up to you. It's up to you what you see, it's up to you what you take in, and it's up to you to say, no, this doesn't work for me, or I want to know more here. And when you get into the healing journey, it can be scary. You know, there's a lot of dark places, and I don't know about you, but as a kid, it was always a lot of fun to go in dark places with someone else. So that's where Tour of the Soil Guide comes from. Awesome. So that's exactly kind of how I wanted to see that, uh, that story unfold. Um, and I figured that was probably the best place to start because I know that you've traveled a lot. And mm -hmm. so I'm kind of curious, um, what were some things that you discovered about yourself on your travels? Mm. Like, any good examples of like, you know, like soul um, flourishing lessons or? Yeah. For sure. Loads. <laughs> Where do I start? Um, so I discovered uh, so much about myself. So what's really neat about um, the kind of backpacking I did is that you get to reinvent yourself because every time you go to a new town or a new city, you get to try out a new aspect of yourself because nobody has any preconceived idea of who you are. So when we're you know, in our common, our hometowns or we're in the same jobs, we almost become stuck in who we are because we don't feel like anybody would accept us if we changed. So mm -hmm. this, this opportunity of leaving, it took me away from my parents. I mean, it's the furthest I could possibly get from them going to the other side of the world. Uh, so that created a whole bunch of space too, where I wasn't even my parents, you know, child anymore because nobody's going to know who my parents are when I'm over there. So I have literally got a clean slate and I started to discover some amazing skills that I had that apparently I didn't realize were, were parts of me. So enthusiasm, energy, um, childlike curiosity, uh, this incredible ability to be resilient, um, to problem solve, to think outside of the box, to connect with people. One of the biggest messages that I got everywhere I went was how I was able to make people feel safe in my presence in the first 30 seconds of meeting. Um, this ability to be confident and make people think I knew everything about where I was when I'd been there for about a day. I, uh, I, and, and just this in, incredible part of myself that made people feel like they could come up and ask me questions. So those were all big skills. Um, I learned that I had money issues. I could earn money as fast as anybody, but I could spend it just as quick. Mm. Um, I learned that I had some really big challenges around my own worthiness and my own desire to fit in and belong. Um, I learned things that I was good at and things that I sucked at. Um, I discovered, um, you know, where my fears really were. I overcame the fear of the dark. Um, I tried all kinds of different jobs and put myself into really uncomfortable situations and discovered that uncomfortable meant growth. So mm -hmm. there was some pretty big, um, some pretty big learning curves, you know, all along the way. And I think one of the interesting things, it took me coming home and being home to really begin to process all of that. It's not like I went traveling and I learned all of this while I was there. 
Luckily, I kept um, a lot of journal logs, um, both electronically by just sending home monthly emails and actual writing. And it was in, in reflecting on all of that where more of it became clear. I mean, certainly some things became clear while I was there, like jumping out of an airplane. I didn't think I could do that. And I did it. Um, and then bungee jumping was a total no-go, you know, so little things like that became clear in the, in the moment. But some of the deeper growth um, took the entire process of traveling before it became clear. Yeah. I, I really actually love that idea of sending yourself email updates, um, mainly for the purpose of, you know, if you're backpacking, certainly carrying extra journals and things like that can, can, you know, be a challenge. Um, but I love that what you're saying is taking the time then to reflect upon your experiences that allows your mind the ability to like expand itself. Cause when you're in it, right? It's like the saying goes, it's hard to see the force between, you know, from the trees when you're in it, but then when you can pull yourself back uh, and look at sort of the grand picture, um, I think that certainly brings up bigger clues to the depths of our soul. Well, and, and the, the comfort piece, there's a, a coined term called the travel blues. So, you know, you go on these big adventures and then you get home and you have the travel blues. And for me, those travel blues are exactly the opportunity of growth because it's in those moments you start integrating what parts of you did you love when you were traveling and what parts of you did you not love? And what do you love about your life now? And what is it that makes you want to get on a plane and, and leave? And, and I'm not saying that getting on a plane and leaving is bad because it's not. Um, and I'm not saying that the desire and hunger to travel means you're running. It's just that those travel blues and that assimilation back into your regular life is, for me, was extremely illuminating. Wow. Yeah, definitely. You know, I like, you know, uh, where you're talking about, you know, being able to step outside and try different aspects of yourself uh, in a safety, I guess, in, a, in the safety of knowing that nobody knows you and it's not like you're staying there forever. And so it opens you up to possibility uh, that you may not have otherwise uh, explored in your closed circle because, you know, I think all of us struggle to some extent with uh, you know, worthiness and belonging. We want to fit in. We want community. We want social interaction. And we're certainly neurologically hardwired for social connection. And so we'll do whatever we have to in order to feel like we belong, but it may not actually be who we are. Absolutely. So I like that idea of, you know, stepping outside of your comfort environment to then allow yourself the permission, I guess, to, to explore different aspects of yourself. So I, I, I really appreciate um, that part of your story. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going to change a little bit of um, gears, and I kind of want to now focusing on where the healing arts came in for you. Like, why was that something? Were you looking for it? Was it something that dropped into your lap? Um, you know, and what made you decide to pursue the healing arts that you ended up pursuing versus others, I guess? Mm -hmm. 
Those are good questions. I, and I think if I'm going to be transparent, it's trauma. <laughs> oh. um, my own trauma growing up is what ultimately kept bringing me back into the healing realm. Um, I don't really have a problem admitting that the wounded healer is an archetype I for sure resonated with and at times still easily resonate with. Uh, yarrow is a plant I love to work with because um, it fits that archetype of wounded healer. And interesting, I, for me, what, what happened is that that childhood trauma kept putting me into the healing world. So from um, being a small child, I was an only child growing up, I would spend hours talking to plants, frogs, turtles, and any animal or plant that would listen to me. And I thought that those conversations were two-way. It didn't occur to me until, you know, you get a little bit older and, and kids start making fun of you that, you know, inanimate things don't talk to you, that I started to discover that maybe that wasn't normal for everybody. Um, I grew up uh, in Toronto, and I spent all my summers in the Kawarthas. So turtles and frogs and fish and birds were and chipmunks and squirrels were just, they were a regular everyday part of my life. Uh, dragonflies, fireflies. And as I grew up, um, I needed that connection to animals and plants to feel safe. And mm -hmm. so as I got a little bit older and hit that about age 10, my parents started to realize that I needed some something. And so they uh, dropped me into my very first opportunity to um, ride horses regularly. And they got me horseback riding lessons. And I had gone to um, agricultural fairs my, my whole life with my dad. And so this was a huge opportunity for me to have emotional connection um, with animals. And so horses will mirror what is going on in your inner world better than anything else. And so they were a constant way for me to co like to regulate how I was feeling and what was going on. And I spent all of my time there until I was about 17. Um, and then I left horses thinking I would be done with that world, took a job as a travel agent and, and then Reiki landed in my lap because one of my other travel agent colleagues was a master Reiki practitioner from New Zealand. And so I took my Reiki level one with him. And then that sparked that I needed horses in my life again. So I started working at Woodbine Racetrack and I was witnessing acupuncture on horses. And it's amazing how much money will be spent on racehorses and helping them stay healthy. So I learned about using witch hazel um, and glucosamine. And so interestingly, you know, all of this nutrition based stuff and alternative health methods started coming into the horse world. Uh, there was a tragic fire, um, at Woodbine Racetrack and uh, an immense amount of life was lost in the animal kingdom. And I couldn't go back after that because the trauma and the smells were so intense for me that I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't cope. So I walked away thinking again I was done with horses until I went traveling and found myself working on million acre farms in Australia, chasing cattle and sheep through the hills on horseback. And, uh, and then working on um, a million acre station. So I kept leaving things like that only to end up back in environments that had me again working with plants, learning plant history, connecting with indigenous people about their medicines, learning from mentors. Um, and finally, I went back to school for agriculture because um, my health shifted. And so I was diagnosed with celiac disease and I just couldn't accept that this was a thing. I needed to understand the root cause. So I went back to school to understand food systems. And so again, every, everything in life kept dropping, dropping circumstance that kept opening me up to 
um, healing realms. And I think that that curiosity from travel kept fueling that journey because the more I would learn and the more places I would go, the more you're exposed to the more questions I had. Wow. That's, um, it, it's just amazing that how life, uh, says, I'm not done with you yet. <laughs> right? You know, uh, mm-hmm. as much as we, I, I guess, I, I wouldn't say escape. You know, I, I don't get the sense that you were escaping or w- wanting to, to, you know, leave that connection to animals. You were looking for, some, you know, it seems like you were looking for something different. And yet the universe was like, no, your answers are somewhere in here and kind of mm-hmm. kept pulling you back. And it's, it, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting when we can pause for a moment to reflect on you know, why the universe keeps bringing back things. Um, Cause obviously there's lessons there and yeah. opportunities. It is. It's, I mean, it's, it is fascinating. You know, sometimes when you're in it, like you were saying, when you're in it, it's hard to see, but then if you pause and you look at all the stepping stones, it's like every time I tried to step off the healing journey, something would bring me back. And it happened over and over and over again until finally, after the birth of my son, um, my father passed away suddenly and I was grieving um, so, so much grief that I knew that this was the time, that it was no longer about stepping off of this journey. It was about embodying it and embracing it fully or my son wasn't going to have a mom. And, and I knew that I, it was now. I must listen to my soul now. And I must follow this path or I would not be healthy enough to raise him. So, Right. So what was the next stepping stone? Like A total breakdown. (laughs) Seriously, a total mental breakdown, breakthrough. Um, What happened, I was, uh, it's like you were saying just before too. So every time I would be on the healing realm, I would listen to cultural programming. Like it's not a profession, it's a hobby. Um, It's quackery. There's a million things I could come up with around why not to be in a healing profession. And uh, so I was, you know, a new mom and a single mom. And I just, I went back into sales and marketing because that's where you make money. That's, you know, what you're rewarded for. And, And I'm good at making relationships with people. So I just went back down that path. And again, what found myself absolutely unhappy. My soul was riding inside and out. And so my health began to deteriorate. I started to develop symptoms um, and a full-blown diagnosis of Hashimoto's hypothyroidism um, with uh, onset of type 2 diabetes. And all of this was happening. And then my dad died. And so it was just this absolute culmination of life is short. And, um, I had an out of body experience where I literally left my body and was looking down at my son on the floor and went, if I don't fix this, um, I'm going to leave this world too. And he's not going to have anybody because I'm his only parent. Um, you know, what, what am I going to do about this? And so me and my soul had a pretty hard conversation and my dad was very poor in his lifetime. But unbeknownst to me, he had a very small pension that was through his work as a custodian for the school board. And so I unexpectedly got some money and I invested it into my soul's knowing. And so I was able to take uh, yoga teacher training and I committed to 300 hours of training. And my initial goal was just for healing. And 
it became quite clear that the universe had a much bigger idea. <laughs> and so I, I used the money from my dad to take medical intuitive training um, to invest in some more nutrition training around exogenous ketones and um, degenerative uh, conditions. I bought books and I haven't looked back since. So uh, Amazing. Um, so you, did you end up, I, I, I assume based on your website that you've then now kind of created your business around that too, right? Like now you've made it your life purpose, uh, not only to heal yourself, but to help others too. Yeah. I, it's been a, I mean, it's been a lot of learning. I, for me, it will always be about healing myself. And, and I know that probably sounds selfish, but that's a, that's the truth. I think that the minute I stop learning and growing and healing is probably the day that I die. Um, where for me, it's, it's always going to be about growth. And what I noticed in my business is that as I grow, different clients come in and teach me something else new. And my son is a constant teacher. So I feel like I'll always be healing and growing. But what's really happened for me is I have such a diverse skill set, so much experience. It's taken me just over a year to figure out how that translates into what I'm able to offer other people. And what I realized was that um, as much as I love yoga, I ultimately create immense change when I work one-on-one -on -one with people instead of in group settings. So I love the group classes because it, it's uh, accessible to more people, but it's not where I'm ultimately able to be of greater service to the community. So bringing that full circle, what I've really realized is that all of my learning is ultimately unique to who I am. And we all learn from different people in different ways. And so I've built a business around the idea that I might be able to communicate or open up possibilities in a way that resonates one-on-one -on -one for people. And that's what I, so that's what I do now on a day-to-day -day basis. That's so amazing. And, and I, I wanted to, I guess, say that, you know, um, when you're working on yourself and healing yourself, you, you know, you, you sort of, you're, you're becoming expert. Like that's how you're learning. That's how you're experiencing. And so I think it brings also a sense of authenticity when you're working with others. It's like, Hey, I've been there. This yeah. is what's worked for me. Let's try to explore, you know, what's going to work for you. Exactly. Right. Versus, okay, I've studied this, uh, you know, rationally, it makes sense. Um, uh, you know, I'm going to share it with others, but I think, you know, certainly it does bring just a different perspective when you have to do it for yourself first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean, I, I think it's probably been coined a million ways and I won't do it justice, but experience is just, it's hard to compete with. It's hard to compete with experience. And my experience may not resonate for everyone. And I, and I soup, I get that, right. I really get that. Um, but what I'm also now confident in is that my experience is beneficial in how diverse it is at being able to provide a lot of possibility for people and inspiration. Um, you know, and that's, I think sometimes when you're, when you're in that breakdown breakthrough point, um, it's nice to see a bright beacon of inspiration 
to know that perhaps anything is possible. And I, I'm not, um, I don't tell my son's story because it's his story to tell when he gets older. But aside from that, everything else in my life is completely transparent. And so there is no part of my dark places that I won't share if need be. But I, I like to encourage people that we don't have to stay there. They're a part of what makes us who we are. We don't have to stay there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, when, when you do um, go to that dark place, and I was saying this in a different podcast, is, you know, when you go there, you also bring the light with you. That's right. I love right? that. I love and, that. And, um, and isn't it nice if you can take that step knowing that you have somebody beside you that's like there for you um, to support you in bringing that light in, right? Yes. And setting that example, right? Because you would be the beacon. You would be that example that the light does follow mm -hmm. you. And it's fun. I love that you bring that up because you just reminded me of something. A lot of, as a culture, we've been in the last while and we've been really programmed for that quick fix. And we've been sort of programmed that uncomfortable is wrong or bad and we should never be there. And so it's a really big heart and mind shift to work with me because people either love or hate me. It's, it's, it's cut. It's right to the point. There are no band-aids and it's uncomfortable. And what's bigger is I'm not doing the work for you. It's up to you to do the work yourself. And really, that is the definition of holistic healing. There is no part of holistic healing that states, I'm going to fix you. And it's not even about you coming to me because you're broken. It's about seeking growth and seeking possibility. And, and what does anti-fragile or resilient look like to you? Who do you want to be on this earth? How do you want to finish out your time in this gift of this dense body that we're in. And so that's a big shift for people too, because a lot of people, when there's physical manifestations of dis-ease, they just want to fix that and they don't want to be uncomfortable as opposed to let's follow the light of someone else so we can go into this darkness of what is settling is disease in my body and then do the real work, which mm. is not a fix to move through it. And, and I think, you know, I think, <clears throat> you know, there's, there is a, a part of the universe that is shifting because, you know, people are talking it just the other day on the news or whatever. I don't listen to the news, but at work, the TV's on cause I don't have cable, but at work, sometimes the TV's on. So I'll catch something. will just like a, a headline will catch me and over and over, you know, they're talking about the opioid, op opioid yeah. crisis, right? Yeah. We, yeah. Yes. Don't want to be uncomfortable. Yes. Um, yes. You know, certainly physically, we don't want to be uncomfortable. But I think more so than that, we emotionally don't want to be uncomfortable. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, there's a lot of good reasons for that. And so if we take the blame out of why we don't want to be uncomfortable and realize that we've gotten really far away from supportive and connected relationships and not even by conscious choice it it we don't know any different and so it's like that whole thing you don't know what you don't know right and and opioids make it easy 
it's that quick fix when we've got all this disconnect in our life. And I mean, technology, it's funny that they talk about the opioid crisis, like it's left, right and center, but nobody talks about the technology crisis or the, the fight or flight crisis that we're all in or worse, the freeze crisis that we're all in because um, we weren't raised with nurturing relationships and not because our parents wanted to destroy us, but because they weren't raised from those places. And we've just got so much disconnect that runs through our lineage that it's sort of falling on our generation now as we start asking questions to say, oh, okay, well, what do we want to do about that? And is there a better way? And I just, um, I just finished reading a book uh, called Social Intelligence, and it's all about the neuroscience of social connection. And we need those relationships and nurturing relationships. And um, f- funny enough, I literally was listening to a, pod- a-, a different podcast uh, yesterday in the car, and one of the guests was talking about how, like, she literally said that we in school do not learn how to do active listening no and how to communicate um difficult conversations like this is yeah. how you actively listen and actually support the person that's talking rather than trying to fix them and I, it, and it just seems so interesting cuz she's just you know cuz she started a business and she's like i didn't know how to be a leader and i had to like you know i got a life coach because you know, I couldn't figure out how to make these big business decisions and life decisions and all of this. And then as she began to learn how to do active listening and conversing because she was in a business partnership, then she started teaching the people that worked for her how to do that. And it just struck me as interesting that we come back to, you know, are we really being taught social skills? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, because really, and this is no blame, but how can one teacher teach 30 kids social skills? I'm a single parent. I only have two hands for that one kid. And let me tell you, it's a struggle. So how, how are we expecting when we give our kids to the school system for, you know, eight hours, five days a week, and they only get one teacher? Are you kidding me? How could they possibly have time to actively listen? How could they? And if they can't do it, how can they model it? And then if they can't model it, how can we ever expect our children to learn it? And how do we as adults, or where do we as adults go to learn, you know, social interaction skills? I mean, I've heard from people before, you know, in their 40s, 50s, and they're like, how do I meet new people? Yes, yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Where, Where do I go to meet new people? Yeah. How how do I do that? How do I make friends? And and you know, so we're we're not, I guess, doing the best job in our social connection and building community. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's just a modern day structure issue. Um, but I think people are out there, and people are seeking that knowledge. Absolutely. And it's, you know, coming back full circle to travel, one of the big, big things that travel teaches you is, is community because you end up in a traveler's community if you stay in things like a hostel versus when you stay in a hotel room. Um, There's, you know, big 
big shifts in that. And then when you get back home or you go through a breakdown at home, breakthrough, and you suddenly realize that all of your old connections don't serve you or who you really want to be, it can be a really lonely space. Uh, we, we had an event just, uh, just la- yesterday and um, we were talking about intuition in business and how um, when you work from a place of intuition, you can get a lot of skepticism come your way. And I just raised my, actually two hands, I raised two hands and said, I spend a lot of time alone. And it's the truth, it's the truth because as I became more comfortable and confident with who I was, I just realized in order just to support that person, there weren't any relationships I had at the moment that could do that. And, and I am capable of taking initiative to create my own communities, but I understand that not everybody else is. And so it, I feel like it is important for those of us that maybe we are a little further on our journey, get out there, hold space for other people, get back to street parties, go to parks and get like-minded people together, but hold boundaries. Hold healthy boundaries around what is okay in that group and and keep it small enough that you can keep it safe. Absolutely. And I think that's really the biggest key word there is feeling safe within a social connection to authentically explore who you are. And be committed to it because the reality of it is, is let's just say there's four of you. I'm going to bet that all four of you have no clue about what you're doing, where you're going or how to do this. And so it's going to require at some point uncomfortable conversation. And that's okay. It's how we do it, right? It's, it's how we, we keep it safe by being aware and being honest and being transparent. Hey, I don't know what your intention was behind that because I might be operating from a really bad place right now, but that hurt. Right. And, and this is why it hurt. And I, and I'm, you know, I don't know what to do about it, but can we talk about it? And that's uncomfortable because we, we haven't, been, we haven't been taught to do that. But then on the other side of that is like understanding and compassion and um, connection, right? Cause when you can exactly. express your truth, that then opens up the safety for the other person to, you know, dive deeper. Oh, I wonder why I said it like that. And is there something deeper within me? And then it starts a conversation and hopefully, you know, both individuals or the group of individuals come out the other side, um, with more acceptance and understanding. Yeah. And it's hard uh, to own things, right? For me, I'll just speak from the eye. No, it can be hard to be like, I totally stuffed that up. You know, I, I really wasn't, that wasn't nice of me. That wasn't kind for me. That was an old pattern for me. Um, that's not really what I, where I like to operate from. I'm sorry. Those are all hard things to do and say and really mean because it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable to say I got it wrong. It's vulnerable to say I, I, you know, I feel badly right now for my behavior. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not used to, uh, being in that holding space for that feeling. Yeah. We'll yeah. do anything to not <laughs> have not that feeling, it. right? Exactly. Exactly. And then perfectionism steps in, right? Because yeah. you, you're going to work so hard to get it right all the time to not feel the feeling of getting it wrong. Exactly. Um, that 
you know, may create some unhealthy habits and, you know, unhealthy boundaries too. Right? Oh my God. I just realized with parenting the other day that I was so focused on trying to have the perfect bedtime routine that I was totally messing it up for both of us. So, I mean, I think per- per- perfection is a big part of numbing and it's a big part of uh, fear of getting it wrong. Um, and because we always want to be comfortable, we, we just don't, we don't want to get it wrong. We just want to always be right. And unfortunately, that neuroscience kicks in right around there because that's what's ultimately holding us back from real connection. Yeah, absolutely. I got a lot of things wrong traveling, let me tell you. (laughs) And I've gotten a lot of things wrong in life. And ultimately, they've been where I've had my greatest growth. And that's what I hear time and time again, which is, you know, why I'm so drawn to podcasts versus, I guess, maybe, you know, radio or pre-programmed television is because they decide what I listen to. Uh, so I, I like having the choice of listening to different stories. And of course, being a business owner myself, a healing practitioner, um, you know, I, I'm i afraid of getting things wrong, but I'm willing to, you know, I'm willing to try new things, um, to gain experience. And I I appreciate listening to different podcasts where people share their story of not just their successes, but like their failures too, because then it makes me feel like, okay, it's not just me. It's, it's, you know, everybody goes through these things and that's usually where the biggest growth happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So, Yeah. So that kind of takes us, you know, that, that I, I think that takes us around tour of the soul, uh, which brings us right back to, you know, right back to the beginning. And uh, I guess now would be a good time to ask you, you know, if there are people out there that resonate with your story and are curious and want to connect with you, where can they do that? Oh, Absolutely. So I am in the middle of a new website, but my current one is still up. So they can go to tawnystow.com. Um, I try to put a blog content out every couple of weeks, just um, with what whatever inspires me. Um, but every week, I actually try to load up tips from my diary. So anybody who wants to have some insight into what an a, a an empath like me does to try to stay sane through all of the growth that I go through. Um, it'll have a range of tips everywhere from crystals that I might be working with to just emotions that I might share. Um, so that's something that people can access. I do three live videos a week that are just on my Facebook page, which is just Tawny Stowe. Um, Tuesdays, I always share a transformation post just as a reminder, hopefully for everyone else, but also myself to be present and reflect on how your week's been. Um, because it's always amazing how much you're growing, even if you don't think you are. Um, Fridays, I try to do a feel good tip where I just share something to, um, today's tip is on, um, the holistic aspect of, pet care. Um, and then on Sundays I go a little bit more spiritual and I like to tap into the collective consciousness. So as an empath, I, I often can feel things where I have to stop and go, is that mine? Or is that like bigger than me? And so on Sundays I talk about that, um, whatever that looks like to me. And and I'll usually do a, a free card reading or a shocker reading while I'm online for whoever's watching live. And then, uh, Instagram, I've got a handle too, and it's Tawny underscore Stoke. 
So those are the best ways to sort of stay active on what I'm doing. And of course, anybody who wants to actually make it more personal can book with me one-on-one -on -one and I'll do um, uh, private coaching and that's the tour of the soul guide coaching. So it's more of a holistic standpoint where we can dive into um, nutrition. We can keep it business related. We can kind of go any direction that works for you. And if you're willing to make the drive to London, I do, um, packages where I combine medical intuition, which is like a whole body scan of what emotions are being stored in the body and bring that to the surface. And then we spend three more sessions working through that. Now that can be done over the phone. It's just that you wouldn't get yoga. You could get deep breathing and meditation, but of course via video. Uh, so those are those are the ways that I'm most of service and, and certainly one-on-one -on -one you feel safer. So one-on-one -on -one you can go deeper. And I do caution people when they sign up for a live reading on a live video, I cannot promise what will come up. And I, you know, I just, I just tell it as I feel it. So it's a love hate relationship for me with people. I think. <laughs> I hear you. Well, sometimes we're just not ready to hear things, right. Or something comes up unexpectedly that we weren't expecting or wanting to deal with at that particular time in life, but the universe is like, no, now's a good time. Here you go. Exactly. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, I guess for our listeners, uh, obviously there's a lot of different handles and where to click. So mm -hmm. um, we do have show notes and okay. for our listeners um, to access our show notes, you will need to go to where our podcast lives on the web, which is www.ecophysio.com. Uh, forward slash videos, or if you just go to our website, we do have a podcast tab. And in that tab, when you click it, it opens up all of the episodes we've done and has all the descriptions. Also, we will post links directly to, um, you know, Tani's uh, handles so that it's easy for you to just click and get the spelling right and all of that. So uh, please visit the website. Um, to access the show notes uh, for contact info. That's awesome. Yeah. So I would like to thank you so much for, you know, coming on and sharing your personal journey and the things you've discovered with our listeners. And, uh, you know, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's always an honor to connect with like-minded people and, and know that there's others across this interweb and, and embrace the positives of te technology. Absolutely. So thanks again to our listeners for following the show and make sure you subscribe to stay up to date. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.